hasn't yet been tempted to try the alcohol. For drama, I think main characters need to die. Oh my golly. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Lorena Rose. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Aliza Ora. Today we have a mini-sode for you, which is our season two wrap-up. I am very excited for this because I missed the latter half of season two for personal slash work reasons. So this is uh, my chance to get uh, caught up on all the chatter about these episodes. So yay, let's dive in. Yes. Yes. So excited that you're here and to talk about season two with you. Mm-hmm. Hear your opinions that may be different from mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the podcast Negative Nelly is back. Welcome and we're back. so happy. Yes. <laughs> we are happy to have you and your critiques and your research. For sure. Uh, let's start by saying what our favorite parts of the season were. Okay. Um, I can start. I love angry, vengeful, scheming Liz. This is, in my opinion, the best Liz we ever get. She's like, shut up, Max. You don't get to control me. Shut up, Maria. I love you. But like, I'm doing this because it's important to me because I care about Alex and I want to honor his memory. And we are not all believing that he died by suicide when I know he was murdered. And then she proves it. She was fucking right. This is like the scientific approach that I love to see from her. Finally proving that she is a scientist. Yes. Has to find evidence. Yeah. And she feels comfortable with herself and she feels confident in herself. And she is doing what she thinks is right. And I know she's not always like the nicest to her friends in this period. (laughs) But I also feel like that's relatable when you're going through grief. Like you just Mm -hmm. totally, you know, she got focused on this thing and she was like, this is what I need to do to be able to process Mm -hmm. this. And she worked her way through it. Yeah. So that was my fave. I mean, that arc was obviously extremely sad with Alex's death, but the Liz that we got out of it, I really enjoyed. Uh, I can go next. I, if I'm talking about like each little storyline, which one was my favorite was the, the crystals and the like Mm. mothership alien that was like inside Grant Sorensen. The crazy Um, jellyfish alien. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I, though I don't love the whole Laurie Dupree um time or uh storyline and they are like a little intertwined because you know they like found out about the crystals because they found her and whatever but i do love that because it feels more like like leaning more into the sci-fi which i love um i also liked the overall big storyline uh i don't love that alex died obviously but i like that like i like stories where the bad guy is someone that you've known all along and then you can kind of think back and whatever. Can I go back to the crystals really quick before we get into this? Because Alex and Kyle saving the world while singing (laughs) Don McLean. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Let's get more of that. That's why that's part of why that was my favorite. Thank you. I I mentioned that because of the sci-fi aspect, but also that one episode is my favorite episode because of all that. The two of them in there together. And we don't get Alex and Kyle all that much. Mm -hmm. They had such a fun dynamic in that episode. I love that. It's such a great episode. The best. Lorena? Oh man, what's my favorite? 
Oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm like, I like it all. Um, Did you also enjoy the second half of season two? I feel like so far we've been talking about the later episodes. I do. I mean, there's there's early stuff that I like. I mean, I do like the idea of the dupes and this whole like other thing. And <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish that sort of concept had lasted more episodes also. Like it's in it is in the first half of the season. And then that idea mostly just like dies out. Um, and I like I like the whole uh, the idea of the whole other alien race that's after them and the husks and like all of that, yeah. all of that stuff. And then it all like really wraps up really quite quickly for the most part like and then we don't we don't really see it again because we like move on to sort of the Lori Dupree storyline and her aunt and uncle and then we like move on to the Alex storyline so that's just sort of like a mini arc in the season that um some of the execution is questionable uh but like watching the actors play the other versions of their alien selves is fun if not uh, the most amazing acted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, so the fucking accents. Yeah, the, yeah, the terrible New York accents. But the, the like, hair. I mean, Lorena, you live in New York, isn't that how everyone talks oh, there? Yes, absolutely. Everyone talks just like that in New York. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think that's a, like a fun concept. Um, that just wrapped up really quickly, and I think they could have done yeah. more with. They definitely could have stretched that idea out longer. I was just looking in uh, Roswell High Times, the book that I yes. have that I consult for some trivia, um, because I remembered that one of the things they said was that the uh, this was, of course, the internet was happening at this time, message boards were happening. And so one of the things the producers would do is to throw out fake rumors, uh, because of course, you know, people leak actual real spoilers from the show. And so to confuse fans, they put out all these fake rumors. And one of them, which frankly, I think would have been a really cool thing to actually do was that Tess uh, was going to be revealed to be a pawn of Wrath and Lonnie. Ooh. Which I think would have been so Ooh. cool if there had been a reveal that she had been working with the dupes the whole time. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. To tie yeah. that back into her like duplicitous, uh, like betrayal no at the intended. end of the season. Ah. <laughs> Love it. I also, on a very unrelated note, but I just wanted to share this quote with you guys from Brendan Fair, who told Teen Movie Line magazine, quote, I've never been enough tempted to try alcohol. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> he drinks now. It's fine. Yeah, uh, he's like, an loves adult. whiskey, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Going back to our quote, on the other side, I'm curious what type of drunk I would be. The horny one, the aggressive one, or the funny one. But I can get horny on my own, and the two others I leave to people's fantasy. End quote. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. Oh. Uh, oh my god. How old is Nobody. he at this point? 20? I haven't yet been tempted to try the alcohol. If that's even true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but I was just... I love that he thinks when you drink, one of three things happens. You get horny, aggressive, or funny. Yeah. Yeah. Only three types of drunk people. 
And also, the the one of those three that he wants pe- to leave to people's imagination <laughs> is if he's aggressive or funny. We funny all know. or aggressive. Not you horny. can imagine what it would look like. Like for horny, me to be I'll funny. tell you about the other two. I'll leave as a mystery. <laughs> also, I feel like this was probably when he and Mahandra were dating, right? And he wasn't like, I get horny whenever I look at my girlfriend. He was like, I get horny on my own. I don't need anyone on my else. Own, yeah. yeah, I got this handled. <laughs> Oh my god, what an embarrassing thing. I wonder if he remembers that or has like read it anytime recently. So Nick Wexler asked, why are there palm trees and why are the streets always wet? Is there a cloud over Roswell? (laughs) Which I love because I've always wondered why the streets are so empty. There never seem to be extras walking along them, but maybe it's because the streets are so wet. Everyone just looks outside and they're like, ah, it's raining. I'll stay in. Yeah. Like they do in when it rains in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. In Chile, when I lived there, same thing. If it rained, like, nobody came to class. Which, as a teacher who would go anyway, yeah, was it was kind of annoying. Yeah. You're like, well, I have to be here anyway, just in case one of you shows up. Three out of my 20 students showed up? Okay. But, it, I mean, we would just, it would kind of be more fun, because I didn't have to do the whole lesson plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad I found this, because this is also where we have... Jason Caton's talking about Colin's departure from the show. Oh, share the oh. dirt. I mean, not that it's yeah. dirt. It's published in a book. <laughs> I mean, it's so dirt. I think as we transition into talking about our least favorite parts, like the saddest is obviously Alex's death. I think I the have worst. one more favorite. Oh, yeah, go ahead. That I forgot to mention that came up into my mind as we were talking is one of my favorite parts of season two is Michael's growth. Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like how he really stepped up for Maria, Mm -hmm. you know, to support her through her grief, especially while her best friend, like wasn't able to support her going through her own grief, you know? Um, Yeah. Just watching Michael like become a better boyfriend and like friend and just like a more mature person. Mm -hmm. I loved watching that. Yeah, I think he, like, I think we've seen this maybe a little bit from him before. Like, he comes through in the clutch, right? Like, he knows he can get away with being kind of a jerk whenever, and he just doesn't try that hard. But when someone really needs him, he's like, okay, I can be there. Yeah. Right, which which previously has been, you know, more like, kind of like smaller things. Like, the magnitude Mm -hmm. of the things he's had to step up for have been small, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And this is, like, this is a big, a big thing to step up for. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to see that he could and, and did it and did it well. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, on to shit talking. Let's go. <laughs> this is not me. This is Jason Katims. Okay. As what quoted did you in this book, uh, he says, Colin never asked to leave or wanted to. He was offered a pretty big movie interrupting the quote to tell you that that was Orange County with Jack Black, which, which is, is an Easter egg movie. in the trailer for Baron and Toluca. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, back to Jason. We decided the best thing was to let him go. For some reason, Alex's character, while I love him, was very challenging for the writers to work into storylines. He always seemed to be on the periphery. And then he goes on to say that Alex's death increased the dramatic stakes of the show. Um, Quote, until this, there was always a sense of safety. Alex's Mm -hmm. death sends all the characters on different journeys. So uh, blah, blah, blah. We made a conscious decision in these episodes to keep them driven by our core group and not bring in outside characters the way we did earlier with the Skins and Nicholas. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. why they didn't bring back Lonnie Mm -hmm. and Rath. 
Yeah. But yeah, so it was not Colin Hanks's decision. It was Jason K. Tim's being like, you're going to go do a movie? Fine. Well, we're going to kill you. <laughs> That's not how I heard that. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I just feel bad for Colin, okay. who was like, no, and I'm, I'm, I want to go do a movie. And they were like, fine, you're dead. Right. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, you know, like, I'm saying I read it differently, but like, yeah. you very much could be the one reading it correctly, you know? But I read no, it as I mean, like, he was like, this is a such a great opportunity. You can't miss it. So we'll write you off the show. So I will say my least favorite part from like an emotional standpoint, like not the thing that I think was poorly done, but the thing that was very affecting was Kyle being forced to carry Alex's oh, body, oh my not gosh. knowing what it was. And then like remembering that, was it on his birthday or right after his birthday that he like remembers yeah. this? <sighs> yeah, it's. I oh think it's golly. on his birthday that all of that comes out. It's, yeah, it's awful. That's like kind of the most horrific part of all mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> I feel like Kyle has gotten the short end of the stick so many times this this is just like oh come on justice for kyle (laughs) y'all i do see the value in adding a death to kind of up the stakes of Mm -hmm. like the drama of a series i think especially in a series like like uh in apocalyptic series or zombie series or, you know, ones where there's a ton of drama, if none of the main characters die, like, I don't see it as real. Mystic. Mm-hmm. Realistic. You know, like, I just, for drama, I think main characters need to die in, like, shows where there's danger and stuff that's mm-hmm. part of the drama. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I do think that it heightens the, the drama and the plot uh, and character development, obviously, to see how all these characters process it. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I feel like we refer back to Buffy a lot because we all know each other originally because we watch Buffy, but, and, you know, whatever we want to say about the trash human that created Buffy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he has talked about how he didn't want Buffy to be a series that was, you know, stake people die. And, if yeah. nobody ever dies in a show and no main characters ever die. And that was why he had Jesse, this character that you expect to be a mm-hmm. part of the group and an established, yep. like setting it up to be a main character and part of like the main ensemble cast die right yeah. away just to show that this is not going to be your average show. Yep. Also, they kind of never talk about Jesse again. Yeah. And he's no. originally kind of like, you know, it's like the three of them are like mm-hmm. best friends. Like he grew up with Xander and Willow and like they just never talk about him again. Yep. No. Um, so going back to least favorite things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hated the handling of Lori and her question mark mental health issues. It was extremely mm-hmm. unclear to me what they were trying to do with her. Yeah. Why we act like no one is ever going to see her again when we've discovered now that she's genetically related related to Michael. She has this tremendous trauma of, you know, Graham breaking into her house, murdering her housekeeper or some like member of her household Mm -hmm. stuff, dying in her house. Her aunt and uncle have had her institutionalized. And then we just all act like, okay, great. Bye. Okay. It's It's like very unclear to me if she genuinely had mental health issues, but they're just magically resolved or if like that was all not supposed to be real, in which case she's having delusions of her grandfather being alive when she's getting Michael and Maria to go with her. It was just like very confusing to me and I didn't Mm -hmm. understand what they thought they were doing. Yeah. 
I do think it's a very sloppy storyline. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, it's like, I think my least favorite of the season. Yeah. Well, like, maybe I the like- whole show. I don't think anyone in mainstream television was doing a great job of representing mental health issues in yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s. But then just, like, don't. You know? Yeah. You could just not. That, that, that wasn't, that also wasn't, like, the mindset of of TV creation then. Like, you know, we have the benefit of being able to look back on it now as, like, people mm-hmm. who have grown emotionally and mentally and that media has grown and changed a lot, like over the last 20 plus years. But I mean, it's not like they were, it's not like Roswell was the only TV series and writer's room that was doing sloppy, ill-represented mental health storylines at that era. Like, it's very common. It just, yeah, doesn't mean we have to look back at it and like it, but. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But there is, you know, context. I will once again take this opportunity to tell anyone who is listening, if you have not watched the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, go watch that show (laughs) for some of the best representations of mental health that you will see. And sexuality and just like figuring out who you are as a human being. And And songs. And some great freaking songs, man. And dancing. So another thing we wanted to talk about in least favorite things of this season, I think the elephant in the room would obviously be Tess. I think she is a lot of fans' least favorite part of the show, least character. So what do we all think about her big character shift at the end of the season? Well, like I said, I kind of loved that. I didn't think that it was set up in a way that felt believable to me. Mm-hmm. She was becoming such a part of the group. And I know that that's part of the shock and that's what makes it feel like such a betrayal. But I think living in Jim and Kyle's house and thinking of Jim as a dad, that didn't seem to me, it didn't seem to me that the implication was that that was faked. Like she genuinely seemed to have feelings for Jim, for Kyle, mm-hmm. for Max, of course, Um But she was kind of part of the group, and I just feel like all she would have had to do was ask Alex for his help, and he would have helped. So it seems Mm. kind of bizarre to me that she instead developed this elaborate plan, which also makes her far and away the most powerful alien we have seen on this show, Mm -hmm. so far beyond Nisato. Like, for months, she kept Alex in this state she kept the school believing that he was in Switzerland, his parents believing that. She faked records photos. I mean, all of this was so elaborate and would have required so much effort on her part when she could have just been like, hey, Alex, there's this book. I think it would help us if we got it translated. You're really good at computers. Can you try? And Alex would have been like, yep, sure thing. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But would Alex have? Because translating the book would imply that then they will solve the problem and they will all leave. And we know he loves Isabel. Uh, you know, he his best friends, Maria and Liz, love Max and Michael, obviously. Like, so would. I mean, I think at the end of the day, Alex, he would help because he's a good mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I also wonder if, like, it was that she didn't want other people to know that he was working on it because of what it might say. And knew that like he would tell people so yeah didn't want him to be telling anyone so maybe i feel like no either i feel like they could have 
still set up this turn in a way that just would have felt more logical to me. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was rushed, like, okay, we want to do this thing with Tess. Oh, and now, like, we want to get rid of Alex. I don't know how far ahead of time they decided that that's what they were going to do with his character. But it felt rushed. It felt weird. It felt like just her having sex with Max and getting pregnant would have been more than enough to you know, have most yeah. fans hate her. I also <laughs> was very confused about alien pregnancies that made zero sense. Yeah, also, zero they freaking broke into the Griffith Observatory and had sex there and no one, I know it's not yeah. the Griffith Observatory because we're in Roswell, but like, not what? LA. What? <laughs> I do, yeah. I do wonder though, this is a thought I have and I think maybe we talked about it when we were in that specific episode, um, but my goldfish fish brain prevents me from remembering <laughs> if we actually had this conversation on the air. But I do wonder if she really was pregnant or if that was all part of the facade and the plan. Is she even really like pregnant? Like she made everyone think that. Yeah. Like, or is, mm. yeah, was that just part of her plan to get them to leave with her, which then falls apart? But like now that she's gone, we don't know right. if she is, you know, she gets on the granolith and goes back to their home planet at the end of the season, but we don't know if she really is actually pregnant or if that was just all part of the ploy, Um, which then makes her even, you know, her deception even bigger. Yeah. Because she knew that, like, there was no way... Max would leave. Max would leave with her. Mm -hmm. Just her. Mm -hmm. I also just continue to think Max is garbage and Liz deserves so much better. Also, least favorite part of the season... Max, Max. he's so mean <laughs> to everyone. He's horrible to Isabel. He's horrible oh to Liz. God. He's already cheated on Liz with Tess. Now he cheats on Tess with Liz. Like, mm-hmm. dude, what yeah. are you? He's so abusive. Figure I don't your shit understand. Out. I also hate that he had sex with Tess. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, he's like such a romantic dude who I feel like would take that so seriously that, like, really, just like the first night you spend with Tess, you just. Ugh, it just makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. It's like people should have sex when they want, but right. this is a uh, fictional character, so I reserve the right to have feelings about it. <laughs> I also just, as Michael points out, like there's no way Max would be like condoms. What are those? I forgot. Oopsies. Like, yeah, come on. Max says, I don't know what sex that is like in Roswell, New Mexico, but like Max knows how to use a condom. That's stupid. Yeah. But maybe alien sperm isn't stopped by latex. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I know there is like some sort of, I guess we could call them like Easter eggs. Um, We were talking before we started recording a little bit about uh, just like then knowing what happens, like looking back, there is this moment like earlier in the season where Tess pulls Alex aside and they go and have a conversation and you never know what it's about. And so in theory, that's like her starting this big, this big deception and this big plan and putting it into place. And while I do like, I do think that the fact that she really is starting to become part of the Valenti family and we all love her so much, or at least I do like, you know, the audience is really starting to come around, I think to test. So the deception feels that much bigger, but I do wish there was a few more little like Easter eggs or, or clues further back that maybe would have given us a hint of what was going on. Like I do like a big 180 like surprise ending, but then I want mm-hmm. there to be like things I never realized were setting that up yeah. earlier on as when well when I it. rewatch it. And there, there is yeah. a 
a little bit, but there, I want there to be more. I think Lonnie from Still Pretty, the buffer, uh, buffer, buff. Wow, now I can't say Buffy the Vampire Slayer without saying buffering. Um, different <laughs> podcast. So Lonnie from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, Still Pretty, she does other podcasts as well as part of Chipperish. Mm-hmm. Um, she explains this very well. Is like it's totally fine to have a plot twist, but when you go back and look at things, it needs to be the kind of aha moment where you're sense. like, oh, that's where they were setting this up. Like when mm-hmm. you have a plot twist and you go back and watch the show with this information and you're like, mm, I still don't get it. That's not an effective plot twist. Like yeah, you have mm-hmm. to plant like seeds Abrams along the shows. way. J.J. <laughs> Abrams shows usually is very clear that like he did not know what was going to happen. You mean like we're not in limbo, we're not in limbo, we're not in limbo, look we're in limbo? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's what I would love to see for season three. Do any of y'all remember the extremely short-lived TGIF show Teen Angel? Yes, a little very bit. well. Yeah. Great. So for anyone who doesn't, it's a sitcom about a teenager who eats an old hamburger that he's found under his friend's bed, I believe on a dare, and he mm-hmm. dies and then comes back as a ghost. Here's what I want season three of Roswell to be. It's a sitcom starring Jim and Amy and their blended family learning <laughs> to get along with Alex the ghost as a constant <sighs> presence guiding people down the right path, strumming his guitar, adding a little bit of flavor to this as like Maria (laughs) and Kyle are trying to learn how to live together. And there's awkwardness with like Jim and Amy are just boinking all the time all over the house. (laughs) Scandalous. This is what I want. Oh my God. I love it. I will take this spinoff. I like it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, I think that leads nicely to which character from season two do you most relate to? Because I identify hardcore as an Amy and not just because we all know I have a crush on Jim, but because I feel like I'm out of place <laughs> in my life, much like Amy in this season where I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. I hate everything about this. None of y'all are listening to me. So like, you know what? If you want to go off with Michael Guerin and get his name tattooed on your neck, just like wear a turtleneck. Okay. I don't care. Can you bring me a hot toddy? Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, I see that. Who do y'all feel like you most identify with? I had trouble thinking about who I most related with. But like the one that comes back to me and, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just because I love him so much is Kyle. Because like for a couple reasons and some of them like not great. But one is that like I don't like to be involved in the drama but I like to be adjacent and, <laughs> know, and get the tea and know what's going on, but not be like, you know, a main character in the drama. Um, I think part of why I like reality shows, because I just get to watch it. Um, and, and also because I, in my life, have been taken advantage of for being nice. You know, like in high school, this like, some friends who like, I kind of later realized like, wait, those people weren't really good friends to me. Um, and yeah, because I am nice, I people have taken advantage of me for that. And um, that people do that to Kyle, namely mm-hmm. Tess. Ugh. Yeah, in a really like the most messed up possible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like just, oh my god, poor Kyle. 
So for me, I was thinking about kind of not really myself now, which maybe was perhaps was uh, the idea behind this like prompt that we gave ourselves to think about who we relate to. But I was kind of thinking more about me when the show would have originally been on. And like, I think I would have, I mean, I don't remember my actual brain thoughts from this age, but like, I think I would have related a lot with Isabel because like she, especially in season two, like she is, I mean, I didn't graduate early, but like I, I was only 17 when I graduated and had like big dreams and drive to like get out of the town that I lived in and like Mm. go off to college and like start my life and like get away from the life that I had been living and um, like other like there were things in the way of me actually accomplishing that and so I see a lot of that in Isabel that she kind of just like she really wants to get out and start living her life and separate herself from her family and her past and like start over and like figure out who she is as a person and um and she's like not really allowed to do that and I like I looking back on my life at sort of that time in my life like I felt a lot of that and felt very like trapped where I was and and things were in the way of me getting out and starting like my dreams mm. so that's me my my younger self is going to relate to Isabel. Yeah. Oh, poor Isabel. I just want her to, like, go and be happy and mm-hmm. yeah. realize that she has everything in the world going for her. And she just needs to break she free really of Max, mainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brother. Ugh. So what did we think overall about season two and how it compares to season one? And maybe what we're, uh, well, I guess y'all know what happens in season three, <laughs> but sort of what we're anticipating, what we're what excited you're about. Anticipating. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I love season two. Same. Uh, I, I think it's better than season one. I feel like the character development is better, especially because I love Michael and the, you know, the development there is great. Um, and I like that it kind of gets more into like sci-fi that some of the like side, side storylines are. Yeah. Yeah. More sci-fi. They leaned into it more than just like teen. teen yeah. Teen love story. Um, yeah. yeah. I definitely like season two is I think my favorite season also. I think it's a lot of people's favorite season. Um, yeah, there's just so many storylines that for for some of their sloppiness and problems, like there's a lot of storylines in season two that I really love. And, uh, you know, I wish they were a little more interconnected. But yeah, I like I like the growth and the and the sci fi aspect of season two. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, as usual, odd lady out here. I liked season one. better. Okay. <gasps> Um, I think there was just a lot in season two that I didn't like or didn't understand. The Las Vegas episode, which I know is a lot of people's favorite, I was like, why does Michael feel bad about this money? This makes no sense to me. <laughs> he didn't betray mm-hmm. Laurie. Like, there's, I don't, just, Michael, put it in a college like, fund. He's Down payment for a house. Yeah. Invest it in the stock market. Literally anything. 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 Yeah. Um, I felt like... Season one was just a lot more fun. This season was, like, very serious and Mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm. sad with Alex, but just overall had, I think, a darker 
tone to it. I also just, yeah. I'm sorry, cannot get past the dupes and their ridiculous accents and <laughs> looks. It's just, <laughs> yeah, they are so ridiculous. So I am a little apprehensive about season three because I know that even a lot of super fans say that season three is problematic at best. And I also know that there is an episode that is devoted to product placement for Snapple, which seems like a really strong (laughs) device uh, for writing quality television. Um, But Lisa, may I remind you that um, you don't agree with, you know, all the opinions of the super fans. You could love season three. You know, who knows? This is true. I am very concerned because if Max does in fact have a son and this comes back to be a plot point, I am quite uninterested in watching <laughs> in that Max. unfold. In yes. Max. <laughs> in what? God, Max can't take care of himself. He's going to try to be a parent. Come on. He's so horrible to everyone. Um, um, I also feel like at some point, maybe we'll get some more tests, question mark. It was not a satisfying ending for me, for her character. They were just like, mm-hmm. she's evil, she's gone. So would love mm-hmm. to have a little bit of wrap up on that. Mm-hmm. But like, maybe she comes back and is like, JK wasn't pregnant. Uh, also really sorry about Alex. I've reformed. Yay. <laughs> Seems unlikely, but I'll keep my fingers crossed. Is coming back from that even possible? A thing? No, like I don't think. No, so. she did a murder. I mean, there is a lot of leather to look forward to <laughs> oh, in gosh. season three. Oh my god! Of course. Uh, spoiler: Whoa. we do get uh, we do get Mahandra Delfino's natural hair back now that mm. she's been wigged for a year and her actual hair has grown out, which I think is a mm. big improvement. Um, you know, I feel like those are some safe spoilers to to share here. Um, we have some leather and less wigs. I have also seen <laughs> photos of Katherine Heigl's hair from this and season. She and gets it a, is she gets a chop. very different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I recall. I think this on Hulu for a while. The season three DVD cover, or maybe yeah, I think it was on Hulu mm-hmm. where the season three DVD cover was like the image What's that the came main up. Thing? Yeah. yeah, and I was like, who? It is was. That yeah. person. And there's like a guy that you don't know. Yeah. yeah, she looks so different with the short hair. So, yes. Short hair for Katherine Heigl is also coming. We've got some big changes ahead. Alrighty. But yeah. I mean, I'm excited to dive into season three with y'all. Yeah, same. It's been a couple of years since I last watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also am interested to see how the aliens continue to develop their powers. It seems like they've grown into mm. their abilities a lot. So mm-hmm. excited yeah. to see how that ramps up, if it does. Right, and theoretically, like, they're all, they all have the potential to be as powerful, like, as Tess was. Mm-hmm. Tess, you know, was taught about her powers and how to work on them and how to develop them because she was raised by an alien, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas our three have had to, you know, teach themselves and kind of figure it out as they go along. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there should be much more that they're able to do if they work on it. Well, I look forward to discussing all that and more as we dive into season three. Thanks for joining this week as we rehashed some of the highs and lows of season two of Roswell. We'll be back in two weeks with season three, episode one, Busted. 
You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Roswell Hot Sauce, and there you can shoot us your ideas for the title of my sitcom about Jim and Amy. Uh, you can also shoot us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com if you've got any ideas for us. And as always, our website is roswellhotsauce.com. Until next time, I'll be working on that pilot script.